You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual. a little programming note for single folks at Christmas or the tail end of Hanukkah or whatever it is you're doing. A lot of people who are single at Christmas get sad and depressed because they're single at Christmas. And they go home and they get sadder and more depressed and they eat a bunch of crappy fatty food and they get sadder and more depressed. And they they make a big mistake, a fundamental error. They don't leave the fucking house. I guarantee you That bars and nightclubs in the town, whatever town you're in, on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day night are packed with other people who are sick of their families, needed to get the fuck away, needed to get a goddamn drink, and are also single, many of them, like you. So if you're single and sad and it's Christmas and you're home and you're listening to the sound of my voice, put the iPod down. Put the cookies down. Get the fuck out of the house. Walk to a bar. Have a drink. Flirt. Get yourself some Christmas butt fucking or twat fucking or throat fucking. Whatever fucking fucking you want, go out and fucking get it. Please, no calls whining about being single at Christmas. If you weren't willing to do what needed to be done to rectify that, which was leave the house and have a drink. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, here's my problem. I'm in an open marriage. My wife is able to meet people, have dates, get laid. For years now, I haven't. Nobody wants to be with me. Women tell me I'm average-looking. They like me as a friend. I just have absolutely no sex appeal. This comes from women who know about my situation with my wife and women who don't. So week after week, year after year, my wife goes out and has fun. I sit home alone. What should I do? I don't want to go to a prostitute. I want to be with somebody who wants to be with me. Any suggestions? Who says a prostitute doesn't want to be with you? Who says a restaurateur doesn't want to see customers walking through the door? People like – people in the service industry, they like their customers, particularly if their customers are – if you're a prostitute – clean, respectful, and good tippers. They will be delighted to see you. I'm sorry. There are no magic words. There's nothing I can say to the women in your life who don't want to fuck you or to your wife about how unfair this all is besides – Perhaps you should consider renting, which you've ruled out because that's a blow to your ego. But isn't it also a blow to your ego, what's happening right now? You also might want to talk to the wife uh, about your open relationship uh, because at this point it sounds like it's teetering into unhealthy territory where it's not fair and it's not mutual and you're being made to feel inadequate and upset you know, by forces that are beyond your control and the wife's control. And you need together come up with a solution that leaves you feeling good about her having sex with other people when she does, which could include finding the money in the family budget for you to rent every now and then, finding a sex worker that you can see regularly, 
that you can have a respectful, friendly professional relationship with and not feel too shattered about. It could also include, though, going to some swingers parties where, as a couple, you arrive and there's more, I think, mutual giving and taking and understanding about – I won't, can't use the term swapping because the swingers hate the term swapping – but more sort of implicit uh, – obligation on the part of the person who's given you a temporary uh, run of their spouse to reciprocate. So you might want to think about swingers parties. If those are out of the question, I would beg you to reconsider renting. Hi, Dan. I'm calling because I don't know what to do about my ex-boyfriend. I'm 22. He's 21. I took his virginity two years ago. Um, The relationship didn't last very long. We've screwed around a few times this year, but stopped because he's a total flake, kept making plans, canceling them. I just don't really care that much. And he's been kind of engaging in risky behavior. He had sex without a condom with some random chick last weekend, which is stupid. That makes me not want to touch him. Um, And then last night, he was drunk, and we were talking online, and he told me that he watches porn all the time, which I kind of knew. And then he mentioned that he wants to experiment with other guys, um, that he cams all the time online, um, jerking off, shoving things in his ass, which is kind of worrying because I know that he doesn't have any sex toys, so I have no idea what he's shoving up there. Um, and then he expressed interest in me pegging him. Um, personally, I'd be kind of interested. Um, I've had a few guys ask. I feel pretty comfortable with him. I'd like to gain a little more familiarity or some familiarity with the strap-on. Um, I'm bi and it'll probably be useful in the future with guys and with chicks. Um, and he's, you know, super hot. Um, so what should I do? Should I tell him that he was cut off. We stopped sleeping the other because he's such a flake. He's still a flake. Should I get him a sex ed book so he doesn't end up in oozing mass infected genitals? Um, I told him that if I peg him, he can't really touch me, that he could maybe go down on me and I might give him a reach around. Should I peg him and then never touch him again? What should I do? Peg him. Work out an agreement in advance. Lay out what you're up for and what you're not. There's something here that you want. You want some experience. Um, wielding a strap on. He wants to experience being pegged. And you can say, and that's it. That's all we're going to do. You can stroke yourself while I peg you, but that's all that's going to happen. I'm going to fuck your ass. And if he says yes, then you don't have to feel guilty or obligated to do anything else. Enjoy. And it would be above and beyond the call of duty, and I would encourage you to do it regardless, that when you have this conversation about pegging, you you tell him why that's the only thing you're interested in doing with him. The flakiness, the risk-taking, the condomless sex with other people, and you can say, I'm worried about you. Maybe I can fuck some sense into you, but I'm going to try to talk some sense into you first. And just like lay that on him when you set out your conditions for pegging him. Tell him why that's the only thing you're willing to do with him because of the risks he's taking with other people. But you know, there's something you want here. There's something he wants here, and you don't have to fully engage sexually or emotionally with him for you both to benefit from this experience. So I would uh, encourage you to go for it. Hello, Dan. Um, This is a lady calling you from Toronto, Canada. Uh, My question has to do with my ex-boyfriend, as it stands. Um, He had an issue where he felt I don't know what to call it, the need and or compulsion to belong to a ton of dating websites. Um, according to my count, by the end of it, it was about seven. 
and also one Craigslist ad searching for some lady that he saw on the bus. Um, since this discovery has been made, a lot of dishonesty later, we are not together, uh, but he insists now that he can change and that he wants to be together. For some reason, I still love him. And um, I was wondering, my ultimate question was, is it possible that someone just wants the confirmation of someone online telling them that they're attractive, even if they're in a committed relationship, because this was his excuse? Or does he just want to get it on with a ton of women? When it comes to online dating sites, when it comes to online cruising sites, I I get mail all the time and calls all the time from people who found their supposedly exclusive partner's Craigslist posting or sleazy website ad, and they immediately conclude that their partner had to have been cheating. Otherwise, they wouldn't have placed this ad. And yet if you talk to people who cruise those websites – They have reputations for flakes. That's what they're all called now. People who uh, just want to swap pictures, just want to chat, never actually want to meet, don't follow through. All these hookup websites and dating websites are overrun with flakes. So it's entirely possible that your boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, was telling the truth when he said this was just about flirting and getting his ego stroked. You know, there's a lot of exhibitionists who just want to hear people tell them that they're beautiful and hot, who are all over these dating websites, who have no intention of ever meeting, and narcissists, perhaps your boyfriend's a bit of both, you have to judge for yourself uh, his credibility when he talks to you about this. This is certainly smoke, but knowing what we know about the folks who are online, it ain't necessarily fire. You know, If you get back together and down the road, it turns out he's cheating on you, you will definitely go, I should have known because of the ads, but it's entirely possible you can get back together and he'll never cheat on you. But you need to know uh, either way, get back together or not get back together, that you are choosing if you decide to date him again to be with a guy who needs that kind of erotic attention coming at him from many people. He likes being hot. He likes being flirted with. And you're signing up for that if you date him. Even if he's completely faithful to you for the next 60 years, you are signing up if you get back together with this guy to be with someone who is going to be a bit of a flirt and a bit of an attention whore. And if you can't hack that, if you can't hack finding the occasional ad online where he's just soliciting compliments or he's flirting with people at parties or however he scratches this itch, don't get back together. But if you really love him, like you say that you do – You might want to consider getting back together if this is something you can put up with. This is, for you, the price of admission you'll have to pay to be in a relationship with this guy. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs, plus a free extra gift, plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com, and enter Savage at checkout. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm a uh, 30, gosh, 33-year-old male. I um, had a question for you. Uh, you talk oftentimes about 
uh, the fact that, you know, porn is can be a really positive thing in a relationship. And not all porn is bad, but given all the recent news and Oprah shows about sex addiction and bad porn and all that kind of good stuff, wanted to find out from you where one would go for studies that actually prove porn can not only just be beneficial, but it's just healthy in general. Um, just really curious because as a married man, as a lot of other married men I'm dealing with, you know, a wife that probably has a negative, not probably, but definitely does have a negative view of porn. So just trying to figure out um, ways I can present some, you know, evidence to her that is um, totally unbiased and, um, you know, studies, anything you could give me. Google this. Google Simon Lewis Lejeunis and the University de Montreal, uh, a study just published, University of Montreal, just last week. So your call is timely. Uh, a researcher set out to try to measure the quote-unquote harmful effects of pornography, and he needed two groups of guys, right? A group of guys who viewed porn and a group of guys who didn't, and they couldn't find any guys who didn't. There is no such thing as a guy who hasn't looked at porn. So if porn was this malignant force that turned all men into rapists who treated women like shit, there wouldn't be any men who weren't rapists and didn't treat women like shit. The researcher, since he couldn't find any men who hadn't watched porn uh, as a control group, just to study men who had watched porn, and he said not one subject had a pathological sexuality. In fact, all of their sexual practices were quite conventional, that the men were capable of distinguishing between kabuki sex, which is porn, and real sex, that the men weren't interested in being with only women who looked like porn stars or performing only the acts they'd witnessed in porn. And also, quote, aggressors don't need pornography to be violent. So I would uh, show that study results to your girlfriend and uh, Google around. You'll find a few more. But porn doesn't turn men into monsters or there wouldn't be any men out there who weren't monsters. Hey, Dan, this is Michelle, a lesbian, uh, 48 years old. I've been in a relationship with a great woman for 20 years. And unfortunately, as many lesbian relationships go, we have severe bed death. Um, I also have a wonderful roommate from college who I've been crazy over since our freshman year. Uh, she's going through a divorce right now, and we've been talking about possibly um, taking our relationship to the next level uh, sexually. Um, the problem is that I really have feelings for her, and uh, we really, really connect on, a, on a, uh, an amazing level. And um, I'm worried that if we do have sex, that um, I'm not gonna. I'm not sure how I'm gonna feel if she uh, has sex with a guy after that, because more than likely she will, since she's straight. Um, and I also don't know how I'm gonna how that's going to affect my relationship with um, my current partner of 20 years. So um, I'm in a quandary because I really feel like I need to, like, get laid. Um, and I don't want to go with someone I don't know. And I really love her and I'm really attracted to her. And that all works, but it's so complicated. So anyway, I hope you can help. Um, this is driving me crazy. I definitely think you should fuck somebody else sometime perhaps not this woman if you're saying you know before you're even out of the gate before you're between her legs that the idea of her sleeping with a man after she sleeps with you is potentially emotionally devastating and she's straight you know she's gonna fuck a man sometime after you 
So why set yourself up for that kind of heartache unless finally getting into her pants and eating her pussy is worth the heartache? But what about your girlfriend, uh, Ms. Bed Death? How have you guys processed this? How have you discussed it? Uh, if you guys have worked on this problem and you know fought it out and there's never been any improvement but you love her and you you know your your partnership is worth preserving and you want to stay together and grow old together i think at a certain point you can stop trying to work on an unsolvable problem and if you're both content to be in this sexless relationship and you've really done your level best to bring the sex back i do think at a certain point you have a right to seek sex elsewhere with or without your partner's consent or permission. I do think it's better if you go to her and say, I can't live without sex the rest of my life and not get specific. Say something like, I love you and I will stay with you forever. You have to know, though, that I'm human and I'm weak. And if the opportunity should present itself, I may not be able to resist. And then just leave it at that. That way you're covered should down the road she discover you fucked somebody else and you can say, we had that conversation, I said X, and that still didn't help. But there are two really distinct issues here. Should you fuck somebody else because you're dying to get laid? And should it be this particular woman who you've known since college who is 98% straight? Separate out those two issues and make two separate decisions. Hi, Dan. Um I am a 25-year-old female um, who is also gay, and um, I have kind of a two-part question for you um, about coming out and being out. I am 90% out to pretty much everyone in my life. The 10% that I'm not out to happen to be um, my family and my parents. And um, I know that this is an issue I obviously have to deal with. I have to tell them. However, um, what I'm struggling with is the where, the when, and the how. Um, I've recently entered into a relationship with a girl that I think is amazing. And so this is something that's been at the forefront of my mind for um, a few months now. And um, the... (laughs) Uh, the major thing that I'm starting to struggle with is whether or not I should do it now or wait a bit. Um, I'm presently staying with my mom and her husband, and um, I'm just kind of concerned that coming out to her now while I'm living in her house might be um, an unnecessarily difficult situation. Um, It's not that my parents are especially religious or really conservative. That's not my concern. I just don't want it to be, I don't want it to be um, an uncomfortable living situation when it doesn't need to be. Um, So I would really like some advice about that. And also the how I tell her, like I know you just say it, but should I take her out for coffee? Should I do it when we're at home by ourselves? Like I just... It's uh, it's kind of a one of those things that um, I'd really like some some help with. So, um, and the second part of my question is um, is more about being out just in the general public part of your life. Um, recently, my girlfriend asked me to go with her to her Christmas party, her company Christmas party, and then a few days later, she said that she didn't want me to go because she didn't want to be outed at work yet 
And I'm just curious on what your take on how important it is to be out in your workplace or in your school environment and um, what, um, what you think about that. Because it didn't, it didn't really piss me off that you didn't want me to go, but it did hurt my feelings a little bit. And so I'm just kind of wondering if I'm making a mountain out of nothing or if it is actually something I should address with her. Quickly, um, a, a follow-up question. Are your parents religious? Are they anxious for grandchildren? Are they shoving boys on you? Um, a little bit, yes. Not so much religious. Actually, not at all. Um, grandkids, yes, but I don't want children. <laughs> um, you say that now. And, yeah, well, it's just not, it's not on my list. Um, and boys, um, subtly, very subtly. Have you ever had boyfriends or fiancés or? I had two boyfriends. So it's a reasonable assumption on their part that you are interested in. Yes, exactly. Which is why it's not like I'm not like what, mom? Like it's not completely out of left field. And how long have you been in this big lesbo relationship? (laughs) This one's only been two about two months, but this is not my my first big lesbo relationship. And how long has your girlfriend worked at this place that she disinvited you to the Christmas? Oh, um, not very long. Which is why I didn't. I wasn't super upset because it it a new job, and I kind of get that. Okay, here's how to come out to your parents. Uh, not in a moving vehicle that they're driving. Or, <laughs> okay. And not in public, unless you fear violence. You know, if your family or your parent, your dad or your mom had a history of, you know, physical abuse or, or emotional abuse, screaming and shouting and being psychopathic, then you might want to come out in public where there will be witnesses if your dad belts you, right? Yeah. Um, or they'll feel inhibited about freaking out. But if they're reasonable people, even if you think they're going to be upset, do it at home, do it in private, and just say it out loud. You can wait till after Christmas if you don't want to ruin their Christmas. If you don't want to make Christmas yeah. assessing your lesbianism, you can wait till after Christmas and then say, I waited till after Christmas to spare you. You have a whole year to get over me eating pussy before next Christmas. Let's <laughs> And I think the word in your question about your girlfriend is she's not, she didn't want to be outed at work yet you said yeah that well that it just it wasn't even so much like it was less about her and it was just more it kind of opened up that whole thought pattern of like is it really such a big deal to not be out at work or is it something that yeah that should well, be I think people should be out in all areas people, people, people should be out in all areas of their lives the world is that's what I thought. better about us and our existences if half of us everywhere are censoring ourselves or closeted here closeted there closeted everywhere you need to be live with some integrity and some standards and some courage. Yeah. Uh, even if it feels like a scary place to be out, you know, based on your area code, we won't say where you live. There are workplace protections and protections for your relationship if you guys yeah, there are. marry. So it's not like you don't have recourse if she's accidentally gotten a job at a company where her boss is a bigot. Um, yeah, so you know that's to, that's true. You guys need to ovary up, you know. And and act like the strong, empowered, fully enfranchised, lucky queers that you are, and be out everywhere, including to mom and dad. Okay. Um, With with regards to the whole mom and dad thing, my big my big hurdle is the fact that I live in my mom's house, and like a year ago, this would have been a non-issue, and I really should have done it a year ago when I wasn't living in her house. But I'm really good at putting Uh, off stuff I don't want to deal with. I came out to my mom when I was a teenager. 
living in her house. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, well, that's true. You can pick up a newspaper and read about some big New York Times magazine story about kids in middle school, 12-year-olds coming out to their parents. Um, you know, are you paying rent? Yes, I am. Then fuck her. You are an adult, and you have news for her, and if she can handle it, is there somewhere you can go? Yes, like I have, that's the, that's the, I think that's why I'm having such a hard time is because it was so easy to talk to my friends about it because most of my friends already knew, so it was, like, it wasn't really even like I had to come out to them. They were just like, yeah, we know. Right, and the longer you, the longer you wait to tell your mom, the worse it's going to be because the longer yeah. you're letting the lie live. And yeah. The more well, and it's all—it's already taking a toll on my relationship too. So. Which is a great way to approach it with her. I'm having to hide this yeah. from you. I'm in a relationship, and it's harming our relationship that I'm not being truthful. So even though I'm living home and that feels squicky, and it's December 26th, Happy New Year! I, I need to tell you this. Yeah. your relationship. But that was really when I came out to my mom. We'd been—you know—we'd always been really close. The cliche. Um, sissy boy and mom and as I became you know a teenager and started dating and seeing guys I couldn't tell her anything anymore about what yeah. I was doing and so there was this distance that grew between us and me coming out restored our relationship and it took her a while to see that that it was necessary uh, for me to tell her who I was uh, fucking <laughs> which is how she saw it at first yeah. the relationship to, to be again what it was before so use that approach with your mom they yeah. call for it every fucking time that's true. That's true. I'm just, I'm, my, I think my biggest fear is that she's not going to take me seriously, that she's going to think it's just like a phase that I'll get over or something, even though I'm old enough to be kind of fairly secure in who I am. Okay, this is where I get a million angry calls from lesbians. Um, <laughs> knowing what we know now about female sexuality, it could be a phase. No, that's, no, that's true. That's justified. There, I know so many women who are lesbians in their 20s and early 30s who are married to men now and in straight relationships. And I know <laughs> women who were, in, who were married to men who then came out in their 50s and 60s. So I'm fairly certain some of my friends are going to be the angry phone calls. <laughs> well, they can take my dick. This has always been my anecdotal observation, and now the science is behind me. No, it's, this has been proven but, research. So if your mother says that, say... You know, I wouldn't describe it as a phase, but female sexuality is fluid, and stranger things have happened to lesbian-identified women than to wind up in a relationship with a man. I don't think that's going to happen, and even if it does, I'm a lesbian now. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like, five five years ago, if you had told me that I was going to start sleeping with girls, I would have been like, hell no. So it's, it's, it's not completely far-fetched, I guess. I mean, it's just it's within the realm of the possible. Yeah. For well, lesbians, and I would for lesbians in a way that it just isn't for gay men. Gay men don't do. Yeah. This. I'm straight now. Shit, like lesbians. Yeah, that's true. So I, I do think that we have to be kind of reality based when we talk to our families about our sexualities. You know, gay guys need to acknowledge that when we come out, yes, we are at much higher risk for HIV infection and contracting AIDS, and that is a legitimate worry. That isn't a parent's bigoted. Um, you know, stereotype about gay guys. That's true, and a mother and a father have a right to be worried about that when they throw that in the faces of their gay kids, gay male kids who come out. And when they you know, look at their lesbian kids and say, this could be a phase, I think the really the onus is on you to be honest and say, maybe it could. Maybe I will end up with a man. Some lesbians do, but I don't think so. I don't think that's going to yeah. be the way it is for me. Blah, blah, blah. But we have to acknowledge realities. It makes us seem like the adults. And that's what you are when you come out to your parents. Suddenly, you're the adult in the relationship. Your mom's going to yeah. have a tantrum, and you have to love her anyway, just like she loved you when you had your tantrums when you were five. 
That's a good point. Thanks. You're awesome. Uh, so are you. Um, I, hope you're I hope you're a lesbian forever. Call me in 60 years and tell me you're still eating pussy. Hi, Dan. Um, calling because I need some slightly objective advice, and I'm hoping you can help me. Um, I'm in a lesbian relationship. I've been with my partner for almost four years now. We live together. Um, you know, my parents have always been fairly accepting of, of my relationships. Um, they they accept my partner. They welcome her into my home. They refer to her as my partner to everyone I, I know as far as I can tell. Um, my mom does have some issues, however, with my partner and I being together at her house and any time that we express any sort of like physical affection to one another, if, particularly if other people are around. And she called me last night um, to inform me that my step-grandmother might be coming over for Christmas and she was asking that if my partner and I came, could we please sort of like knock off any sort of, of physical affection? Um, now, the caveat to this is I've, I've never really um, been incredibly physically affectionate with my partner. Um, I think my mom, because she's a little bit sensitive to the fact of my, my sexual orientation, she sort of blows out of context any, any type of physical affection we might express around one another. Um, I've seen my sister and her boyfriend do similar things. My mom and her husband do similar things, you know, a pat on the back, a, a kiss on the cheek, and we've never done anything beyond that. So I, I, I think it's just because she's overly sensitive. Anyway, um, I'm kind of trying to figure out, do I go to their house uh, over Christmas um, and adhere to this contingency, or do I, do I continue to fight back and, and sort of say I'm not going to have this discussion with my partner, I'm, I'm just not going to go there. Um, the other thing that you should know, and I guess I, I feel like my mom's request is slightly hypocritical, um, she's always been sort of an unconventional mother. Um, my stepfather is her third marriage, and he is um, 18 years younger than her. And I think what really blows a fuse for me and makes me so upset about her request is that um, she's you know, been criticized quite a lot by, by people in our life for some of the choices that she's made in her life, particularly marrying a man who's 18 years younger than her, who is my stepfather, and I, I should say that I love him to death. I, he's, he's like a father to me in every respect. Um, but I've, I've always adamantly defended her unconventional choices to other people, included extended family. And so when she, when she invites me to her home with sort of this slight little contingency, um, I guess it sort of hits a nerve, and I feel like it's a bit hypocritical because I've never asked her to to change any of her things um, from the time I was a young age. And so I guess what I'm asking you is, do I go to her home over Christmas and sort of accept this contingency, or, or do I really continue to fight back and say, no, this is who I am? It does seem hypocritical that your mother is cradle-robbing, having all sorts of intergenerational sex PDA in front of uh, you, her lesbian daughter, and then she's imposing these conditions on you – it is a real double standard, and sometimes gay PDA uh, pings onto family radar in a really unfair way. Your straight brother and his girlfriend can be French kissing uh, horizontal on the couch, and uh, your parents don't even notice, and you put your arm, you put your hand on the small of your boyfriend's back, and they uh, explode. Here's what you got to do you got to put your foot down. Um, I, I think you can put your foot down. Gradually, what you might want to say to your mom, you actually just might want to have her listen to the podcast because you were very articulate and very persuasive in your arguments. Uh, and I don't think she could listen to this without feeling a little embarrassed about what she'd been doing to you and what she was asking of you, considering uh, how understanding uh, you've always been of her and that you've always come to her defense uh, to other relatives, which she needs to do to your step grandfather. Fuck him. Um, I think you can say, you know, we'll try to tone it down and only say try, not say will, so that if 
you slip up, she can't explode or get upset with you. We'll try to keep uh, the PDA uh, to a minimum this Christmas, but then all double standards cease forever from here on out. We'll let you deal with the step-grandfather, and maybe he'll be dead by next year, so you won't have to deal with it. Uh, for next year, but this is the last time I'm going to do this. This is the last time I'm going to censor myself. This is the last time you're going to ask me to behave any differently with my partner in a family situation than any of your straight children or other straight relatives behave around their partners at family events. And then stick to it. Stick to your guns. And if she gives you the least bit of grief, make her listen to the podcast again. Hey, Dan. I'm calling because I was recently having a conversation with a friend of mine who is a 30-year-old femme lesbian, and she told me that she is looking for a husband and wants to get married and have babies. And I thought that was kind of surprising, being that she's lesbian-identified. And I, I, I know she has sex with men sometimes, but I think all her relationships are with women. So we started talking about it, and she said that pretty much all the femme lesbians she knows are doing this. And then I thought about it and realized that seems to be kind of a trend where lesbians, femme lesbians reach a certain age and suddenly start wanting a man. And I'm wondering if you have any ideas about why this happens. Is it just their biological clock telling them to have a baby? And then why doesn't it happen to butch lesbians? Are they not as inclined to want babies, like biologically? And then is there a whole aging population of butch lesbians who can't get a date? Like, I'm just really mystified about this. So if you or any of your lesbian listeners have any thoughts, I'd really like to hear it. Okay, thanks, Dan. Bye. It's all lesbian all the time uh, today at the podcast. Um, this is that topic that came up a call or two ago about how lesbian-identified women are frequently not so lesbian-identified uh, at certain stages in their lives and uh, marry men and suck dick and things like that, which seem very unlesbian like things to do. Why does this happen? Uh, female sexuality is fluid. It's the female sexuality superpower. Uh, there are a lot of theories out there. I'll try to arrange to get a guest expert in here uh, soon to address this issue. Cause there's some interesting research being done on this. In the meantime, if any of you all out there have any theories, we'd love to hear them. But I'm going to stay the fuck away from this topic lest, you know, my office is a block from the only lesbian bar for 400 miles in any direction. And I really don't want to be, you know, jumped by a bunch of angry dykes in the middle of the night when I'm leaving work. So I'm just going to toss this out there for discussion and uh, keep my theories to myself for the moment. Hi, I'm a 21-year-old girl living in New York City. Um, recently, my girlfriend came to stay with me for two weeks during which time we slept with her pillow and her sheets on my bed. Um, and then she decided to move to Spain and dump me, leaving behind her pillow. I haven't talked to her in two weeks since she left, but I did get bug beds from her pillow that she left. So I was just wondering if bed bugs are like an STD. Do I have to call her and tell her that I got them from her, or should I just let her figure it out on her own? Thanks. Bye. All right, we've had the uh, lesbian coming out question to parents and coworkers. We've had the lesbian sex and lesbian bed death question, sleeping with straight girls, becoming a straight girl after being a lesbian, and now lesbian bed bugs. I really feel like we have covered the lesbian experience, the entire gamut of the lesbian experience in one podcast. It's quite an achievement for me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth. 
yeah, you should tell her that she has fucking bed bugs because bed bugs are a fucking nightmare. And if she has roommates or she's benching, you know, if she's couch surfing after she left you, even if you hate her guts, think of all the innocent bystanders who may get bed bugs from her. Uh, this typhoid lesbo Mary and her bed bug brigade. But again, I think what's really most interesting about your call is that it it really completes us today. I feel very whole. I feel like we've really processed the entire lesbian experience from coming out to bed bugs. This is Michael, and I had a comment on your conversation with Mr. Stratis about nerds and kink. And it occurred to me that there's another possible angle, not that I think any of what you guys talked about was wrong, but I think there's another spin on it, which is that I think especially nerds as they get older, and I, I mean, I consider myself sort of a semi-nerd. I'm mostly a choir geek, but, you know, it's a similar uh, category. I think that uh, we tend to care a little less about social norms, uh, whereas, the you know, like the football player cheerleader types are so caught up in uh, you know, what everybody thinks and what's normal and what they're supposed to do. Uh, I think the nerds got knocked off that early, whether they were ever on it. And so then, you know, sexually as they mature, they, they find this uh, this ease with exploring things that are kind of non-traditional and maybe would be looked down on by by say the more uh, the more traditional uh, folks out there. Hey Dan, um, so I was just listening to your podcast about the girl that likes to get fucked with fruit and then have her husband eat it, but he's reluctant to eat it. And I just got to say that from time to time, some of the things I hear on your podcast can be boners. Um, this was one of them. That was fantastic to listen to. That made my commute to work so much better. Um, and I don't know, maybe maybe it's because I like to eat things out of the bananas, which I've done once or twice. Uh, obviously, I need to explore doing that more. Or maybe that we identified a cucumber as a fruit. Uh, kind of geeky like that, so maybe maybe that's all it was. Either way, if she ever gets a divorce, I am there to eat anything out of her vagina she wants me to put in. I'd like to point something out about the uh, last commenter. Thank you for your call. He offered to eat fruit out of this woman's pussy, sight unseen. This happens frequently. You get a lot of calls from people. You know, somebody calls in, describes their need or their kink or their interest or their frustration, and somebody calls and just says, "Can I have that person's phone number? I will do it. I will do it." They don't know if that person looks like Ernest Borgnine with a vagina in the middle of her forehead, or not that you know. If that's what floats your boat, that could be very beautiful. Ernest Borgnine with a vagina in her middle of her forehead could be a lovely specimen of humanity to taste or subjective. Don't want to be lookist. But all the time, emails, like, you know, run something in the column. You can't see this person. You can't smell this person. And invariably, I get emails after every column saying, oh, that person that wrote in about drinking piss, I will drink that person's piss. Sight unseen. I find that staggering. Or, you know, I find that charming. Does it fill me with hope for humanity that people are so giving that knowing someone out there is unhappy and frustrated because... Their partner won't drink their piss or eat fruit right out of their vagina. That there's always somebody out there willing to step up and make that person's dreams come true, sight unseen. I don't know if that should fill me with hope or fill me with despair, but it fills me with something. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. It doesn't fill me with urine or 20 fruit, just saying. It fills me with something. 
not saying what. If you'd like to record a call for a future show, give us a buzz, 206-201-2720. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the Savage Love Letter of the Day. And coming soon, the Savage Love iPhone app, or so I'm told. Am I not allowed to say that yet? Tech savvy at risk youth are shaking their heads yes and no. Just terribly confusing to a tech unsavvy doofus like me. I don't know how to interpret that. 206-201-2720. Back at you next week. Me and the tech savvy at risk youth. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.